So I am learning Spanish again. How many of you took Spanish when uh, you were in school? How many of you did really well at it? A lot of hands went down there. I don't know if it was for when we all started, whether it was sixth grade, maybe we should have started earlier. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm learning Spanish, and I'm on day 256 in Duolingo. All right. Thank you. How many of you guys know what Duolingo is? And how many of you use Duolingo? Okay. All right. We got a few, though. We got a few. That's great. And so I'm learning how to speak again because when I was younger, I didn't really do so well. Um, I remember there was our Spanish proficiency exam. And that was when I was in eighth grade. I remember that was the name of it. I remember the name because we were so worried about this test. And so the reason being is because most tests you have fill in the blank, you have multiple choice, that's okay. But there was a portion of this test where I had to speak with my teacher. And everyone had, a, you know, had different blocks of time to go through during the day. And so I, I sit across from her and I'm like, all right, I'm just gotta do a few lines and I'm gonna be okay. And so we start you know, talking back and forth, like, how are you? I'm good. And okay, all right, so what's your name? My name's Andres, see? And all right, we're doing good, we're doing good. And then she asked me something like, how is your week going, or something like that. And I didn't want to say bien, because that means good, and that's easy, I already used that line. I wanted to switch it up, I wanted to say so-so. And in Spanish, to say so-so, it's así así. Okay, um, I did not say así así. I said, with full confidence, come see, come sa. <laughs> Some of you know that that is not Spanish. She had this like smile on her face, like, also disappointment in the same smile. And she said, Andrew, that's French. <laughs> to be fair to myself, come see, come sa does mean so-so in French, but it's not Spanish. Um, I was trying to kind of fake it until I made it, right? Um, when I was confronted with what I actually knew, it was pretty well apparent that I didn't know too much. And it's funny because you contrast that with me being in the summer with my family in Guatemala, the white guy just trying to talk to everyone today and doing my best. Um, the reason being that I'm trying to learn again is because I want to communicate, I want to talk, I want to be able to understand what my kids will potentially talk about behind my back when I'm older. <laughs> but in all seriousness, learning today should be a lot easier than learning 10 years ago when it comes to anything. Because we live in a technology-infused technology world where we can learn anything. You could take out your phone. You could look up random questions. If you wanted to change the oil in your car, you could type in the model and make. For me, it's Ford Escape 2005. I ride in style. And <laughs> I can learn how to do things from someone showing you. You can look up anything that you're wanting to know about. You can look up medical advice if you need. Actually, maybe we shouldn't do that. Scratch it off the record, usually. When you look up medical advice, it's like, you stubbed your toe, you probably will die. <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave that out. But you can look up anything. So learning should be so much easier in 2022. I was watching Seinfeld the other day, and it was a funny episode where Jerry, the main character, and his friend Elaine go on a plane. And Elaine gets stuck in coach, and Jerry gets upgraded to first class. And so they're going back and forth showing the differences between the two. 
And you have Jerry who's seated next to a supermodel. They have these warm, like, wet towelettes, and they're, they're eating all this food, and they're eating ice cream. And he's explaining to her how you eat ice cream to get the most use of the fudge that's in the ice cream. And she says something like this that I thought was really funny. The, the supermodel looks at him and says, man, I've never met a man who knew so much about nothing. And instead of being offended, like you and I would have been like, hey, he was like, I know, I know, like in Seinfeld fashion. And I was laughing, but I kind of started thinking, like, isn't this you and me sometimes? Like, we know a lot about stuff that really doesn't matter sometimes. Like, we take in so much information daily. You know, even this morning, if you weren't even trying to be on your phone, maybe you just happen to see different ads. You know, you're playing your favorite game or whatever, but you see an ad, right? That's that's subconsciously we're taking all this in, whether we're looking at videos or memes or news or politics. And a few weeks ago, Doug was doing a message on, on heaven. We just came out of our heaven series called Home. And Doug brought out this wheelbarrow filled of stuff. There was a TV. There was um, a blower you know, for his lawn. And he was saying that when we stand before God, is it going to matter that what I watched on TV? Or is it going to matter that my lawn was good? green? And the answer was, was a resounding no. It, it been, and, but yet some of this stuff that you and I, we take in, and it's fine, you know, again, to balance it out, entertainment's not bad. I just used the Seinfeld reference. But some of the stuff that we've put so much focus in is, is, is going to be, is nothing now, let alone nothing later. And we can think about and be kind of consumed with maybe lines from movies or lines from our favorite shows or you know, sports stats, whatever it might be. But what about when it comes to the things of faith? Because studying the, the word of God can kind of take a back seat in today's swiping, busy culture. And I feel like we don't often take the time to challenge our doubts or look into things that we're not sure about when it comes to our faith. Maybe even just digging deeper, trying to understand why we believe what we believe. A lot of times it's easier just to kind of numb out. And if we were to take a proficiency exam on what our beliefs are and what we believe, I wonder what we will find. How would we do? What would it show that we knew or not knew? And so that, this is what I want to talk about here today. I want to use a scripture in Hosea to kind of get us to our topic. Before I do, I just want to explain a little bit that's going on. In Hosea chapter 4, God is speaking to Israel. And this time there's murder, there's strife, there's adultery, and then the priests are, are commanding the people to stop, and the people are not listening to the priests. And God kind of says this one line that I think sums up their condition. And I want to share it with us. It's a little jarring. It's in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, my people are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. That my people are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I think about us. I think about how our attention spans are programmed to be kind of less than a minute these days, right? And so as, as God's people, it's easier to kind of just 
get lost in the flow of life. But the question I have is, as God's people, are you and I being destroyed by our lack of knowledge? And see, I want to talk about that today. See, I want to challenge us. I want to encourage us when it comes to this area. But I realize there's another problem that is going on at the same time. See, if this issue that we're talking about was a coin, if we were to flip the coin over to the other side, we would see that some of us have plenty of knowledge. Some of us, that's all we do. We're excited. We dig in. We're, give me the new verse of the day. I'll give you four more. Like, that is where we are at. But if we look at our life, we see that we may know a lot, but it's not affecting us at a heart level. Just because we have knowledge here today doesn't mean that we will naturally live it out. We all know the person, be it at our job or that we come in contact with or that person in our family that they wear the Jesus shirts. You know, they have the, they have the cross. They, they have like five scriptures for every situation. But when it really comes down to it, they can be kind of the most graceless person, you know. They can be just nasty to people. They, they seem like they're walking around joyless. We can all kind of think of those type of people. Um, it's kind of like Angela from The Office. You know, this, 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 I'm a Christian, but like I'm not really pleasant to be around, right? And before we start thinking of other people in our life, I, I kind of want today's message to not be thinking of other people as much as I want it to be us kind of looking in the mirror at ourselves. Because the truth is we can think of those people, but the truth also is that you and I can also be those people. And this is something that we struggle with and that we need to talk about. How can that be though, right? How can that be? Does that question kind of bother you? Because sometimes I look at myself and I say, man, I know all this peace of, uh, I know about the peace of God, but I, I'm not living in it right now. How, how does that happen? And so again, to recap our issue, the first side is that either we lack the knowledge when it comes to our faith and it's hurting us. The other side of the issue is that we seek or we have the knowledge but it hasn't changed our hearts, and it's also hurting us as well. And at any given point, you and I have struggled with both. I want you to think of this. If I were to walk into a river and go down and grab a stone, pull it out of the water, and bring it back to shore and crack it open, most likely that stone on the inside will be dry because stones are really dense. And I find that kind of funny if you really think about it because here is a stone living in the water for years before I was born, potentially, and it's surrounded by water, but yet on the inside, it's dry and it's unaffected. There is one common thing that I want to talk about here today that is kind of making our hearts in that same condition. I want to talk about this, this common denominator, whether we struggle to know God's word or we struggle to internalize it and live it out. I want to talk about the one thing that gets in the way that keeps us from either wanting to know the things of God or those things of God taking root in our life and making a difference. And so what's at stake here today and why this is important, we talk about it is in culture, Christians can be viewed, at, viewed as either uninformed or hypocritical. And who cares what culture thinks at this point? Let's look at ourselves. I, if I'm unaware of my lack of knowledge, well, then could I be in trouble because of that. See, God's warning of my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, that still exists. But if we can't internalize that, well, then we also struggle. So today, it's really imperative 
that we talk about this. If you're not a Christian or you're new to church here this morning, um, we're, we're stoked you're here. Um, and I hope you see that we're just people trying to live this out as genuinely as possible. But we're going to look at what the gospel is. And, and maybe hypocrisy has, has hurt you and, and, and it's, you're slowly kind of coming back to church. And we want to just say, hey, we are a church that just wants to try and get this right. And so today's conversation will be a little bit honest, but it's going to lead us to what matters. And that is the gospel. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 verse 5, and we're going to dive in. We're going to see what this common denominator is. We're going to see immediately what this issue is that holds you and I back. And so we're going to be in Romans 8, verse 5. It says this, for those who are in accord with the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the spirit, the things of the spirit. Okay, so right away, we are met with two ways to live either by the flesh or by the spirit. Now, if you've been around church, you've maybe heard the term the flesh a lot, maybe, or this term is new to you. But what the flesh means is that it's basically referring to just a human body. It refers to our human nature apart from God's influence. This is a reference to our humanness, but it can also include our sinful nature. So we can either kind of go through life on our own in the flesh, or we can go in the spirit. What does the spirit mean? But it's referring to God's Holy Spirit that comes alongside you and me when we invite him into our hearts and lives. Matthew Henry speaks about these verses in his commentary. He says this, the man is as the mind is. The mind is the forge of thoughts. As he thinks within himself, so he is, Proverbs 23, 7. See, our thoughts, they matter because they dictate our direction. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up watching the news. I don't watch the news now. I just I don't have time for it. Um, but I don't know if this still exists, so, so maybe some of you guys can tell me later. But w the news would be on, and out of nowhere, there would be like this ad that would pop up. And it would be like, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? You know what I'm talking about? Does that still exist? Okay, thanks. I want to do that for, for us here today, except in a different way. Hey, it's November 13th at 12.08 p.m. Do you know where your mind and your heart are? To be honest, if I were to ask that question to myself, I don't always have an answer for that. You know? Because there's really no time, right? Like a lot of times there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like it's hard. You know, for me, I, I'm a new homeowner. My, my wife and I, were trying to figure that out. We have a, a new baby girl, puppy at home. <laughs> Got the first service with that too. My heart dropped. I was excited. That's what people said. And I'm like, it's, a, it's, it's honey. It's the dog. Our dog's name is honey. We have all of these things that we can be so busy with that we often don't have the time to slow down. Isn't that true? You know what I'm talking about. You work a nine to five, you go to school, you work hard. Life is, is difficult. And, and often do we actually have the time to sit? And so the question still looks at us in the face today. Do you know where your heart and mind are at this morning? We uh, had our men's retreat last week. It was awesome. It was a, it was a blast. Guys, as a side note, um, first week in November, 
usually when we're, we're, that seems to be when we're going now. Um, mark it in your calendars for next year. It was a really awesome weekend. Um, definitely get involved if you can. It's definitely was worth it. Um, but our speaker, Ray, and he's spoken here on a Sunday morning before. He's a good friend of ours, and he was our guest speaker. And at a men's retreat, you're kind of expecting, as a guy, at least you're expecting like it to kind of be like, you know, the speaker comes in, kicks down the door, like, what's up, guys? We're going to talk about men things. Like, you know, that's what you're kind of expecting. Um, but thank God that he, you know, God leads people to give the message we need and not the message we're looking for. Um, and so he comes in, and he's just super sensitive. And he's like, hey, I want to talk about peace. And we're like, okay. Talk about peace? Okay, all right. And he's preaching, but somewhere in the middle of his message, he was like, hey, um, we're going to do a breathing exercise. Everyone close your eyes. I'm like, breathing exercise? It was a little jarring, but, you know, as time went on, it, it was very apparent as to why we all needed that. See, here's the thing. How can we process the things of God when we can't even sit still? And I think oftentimes we are just so not in the moment that we're living. Like right now, maybe there's a thousand things running through your head. And believe me, I've sat in seats too. I get it. And see, Paul, in the, in right in the beginning here, he's saying, hey, where's your mind at? He's getting right to the heart of the issue. He's saying, Are, is your mind set on the things of the flesh or is it set on the spirit? Because this is gonna do greatly dictate the direction and how you and I receive knowledge and how we process knowledge. See, if we're doing it on our own strength, we're going to go nowhere. But if we do it in the spirit, man, maybe, just maybe, we'll begin to grow in what he's trying to lead us to. So when we think about the flesh, maybe we think of it as its extreme definition here today. Maybe this is a phrase you've heard for the first time. Maybe this is something you've heard over and over again in church. But when we think of the flesh, we think of the worst thing. We're like, okay, sinful nature. Okay, so, you know, it's like sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's like adultery. It's like murder. And then we go over here and we say, well, I don't, I don't do those things. And it's easy for us to then say, okay, well, then maybe I am living in the spirit. And see, here's the thing. I think when we think about the flesh, we need to consider something, that though Jesus has died for you and I, setting us free from our sin, and the patterns that we often fall into, though that is so true, and that salvation is a gift, and it's a beautiful thing, that we couldn't do it ourselves, and that Jesus has, has done it for us, it's amazing, but yet, so often we can live in the flesh more than we think or realize. Here's why. I think what we can do is we can take neutral things and make them ultimate things. We take our jobs, and there's nothing wrong with doing well at our job. There's nothing well, uh, nothing wrong about taking care of our family well or looking to improve our life or to make money or to seek rest and our hobbies. God has commanded us to rest. It's, it's in scripture. And so there's a lot of these things that, that God has commanded us to do, but what we do is we take those things and we make them idols. Whether it be politics, or it be our hobbies, or whatever it might be, we take these things that are not meant to be ultimate and we put it in the spot of number one. And when we do that and we try to get our satisfaction, we try to get our peace from that, 
Well, then we become enslaved to those things, and thusly, we are then living in the flesh. For me, I, I work all weekend long. I, you know, Friday nights are youth group. Saturday is just preparing for Sunday, and Sunday is an all-day thing for me. And so my day off is Monday, and I love that. Why? Because all y'all got to go back to work and school, and I get to be off and not bothered by anybody. And so I can think about my day off and get so excited about it, but I can often make it like this idol, like, oh, man, it's going to be my day. I'm not going to help these people. And I can see myself become selfish. It's like when you're holding something in your hands that you just care about it so much, but you ruin it. You ever do that? Is it just me? <laughs> often we can take stuff and make it ultimate and thusly ruin our day, ruin whatever that thing is. And why is that? But well, we see it in the next verse in verse 6. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. I wonder how often we trade away our peace and just assume it's the busyness of life. Could it be just a direct result of our idols? See, we don't realize that sometimes our distress can be caused by you and I kind of living in the flesh. Again, not all distress. There's just life does have its troubles, of course. But sometimes, could it be where our mind is creates that distress? See, when, when I have my mind on the spirit, my job, my family, my stuff, my hobbies, my rest, my precious Monday, right? is then put in its proper place. It's put in the second spot. Some, a thing that I always say to myself is your number one dictates your number two through infinity. So whatever you have on your priority list, whatever your number one is, it will be seen through the light of what your number one is. So if, it, if it's all about my day off, well, then I'm just going to be really disappointed. Because life will happen. And God is, if God is under that, if he's not above the things that he's given me, well, then I'm in trouble. But see, when we are in the spirit, we humble ourselves. We're able to allow these things to serve us instead of us serve them. When we spend that time considering God's ways, we're able to discern what he has for you and I. And see, we're able to really see ourselves. I think we like to kind of be the hero in all of our stories, but if we sit and we meditate on, on how we're living and where we're at, what our actions are, what our behaviors like, I think we'll begin to really see the true condition of where our hearts are at. And see, this is really important because there can be a cognitive dissonance with our beliefs and our behaviors. What we say we believe, what we stand for, but then what we actually do. And see, in that type of case, what we need to be doing is we need to align our beliefs up with our behaviors. But sometimes it's really easy for us to justify our behaviors. A lot of us, we can kind of just kind of start using this Christian lingo to make ourselves feel better. Here's an example. When life is hard, we can kind of just say stuff like, oh man, I'm just being persecuted, you know? Or when life gets difficult, we can say, you know what? The devil's just attacking me. And, and just a side note here. You know, in John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, 
but take heart, I've overcome the world. So in this life, we will be persecuted for what we believe. We will be attacked because there's a spiritual battle going on, of course. But I think more often than not, that may not be the case. You know, when we lose our job, we, instead of saying we lost our job, we say stuff like, well, God just closed the door. You know, when we lost that friend, we'd say, you know what, I was just speaking the truth, and they needed to hear it, and I'm not sorry, because it's what they needed. See, we are really good at justifying or hiding subconsciously or consciously what's really going on. So the truth here today, some of us aren't being persecuted or attacked because of what we believe in. No, some of us are being persecuted or attacked because how we're acting towards others. Maybe you lost your job or that friendship because you were prideful. You were judgmental. See, pride is the biggest thing because you can't see pride in the mirror. Because again, I always wanna be right. I am right, I'm right. I'm right. That's what pride says. It makes you blind, blinded to what is actually going on. And, and, and it's easy in these situations to just kind of throw Jesus out the window and, and all that he's called us to live, and we live in our flesh. See, often we don't see this because we are like that rock at the bottom of the river. We are surrounded by God's goodness and his love and his, maybe even his people, but inside we can be unaffected. And so the question I have is, could we be living in the flesh a little bit more often than not? And thusly, reaping the death that it brings, death of opportunities or death of friendship, death of, of trust. See, when we experience a repeated pattern of death in our life, maybe it's time, and I say this with a heavy heart. I'm not saying this like to deliver a death blow to anyone here today, but I just want this stuff to set us free. When we see a pattern repeating in our life, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and ask that question, am I living in the flesh? God, am I, am I living the way you called me to or am I just trying to cover it up? Because the mindset on the flesh is death, but in contrast that the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And so if we spend that time with God, let's, let's think of these same examples we used before. If we spend that time with God aligning our actions with his, maybe the way we dealt with our boss would have been differently. Or, that, or the way we dealt with that friend, we would have showed them more mercy and grace. See, being in the spirit doesn't mean that we just kind of throw our hands up and say, okay, just roll over me, it's fine. You know, it, it requires us to still stand up for what we believe in, yeah. But in a way that's humble. Because here's the thing, when I've come at people with things that, that were important to me, not always am I right 100% of the time. And so if I come with pride in my heart, like, I'm right, justice, well, that doesn't build a bridge. But if I come in humility, like, like the spirit would, you know, con convince me to do, right? If I came with humility and respect, well, then there's that opportunity for me to A, be wrong, but B, also to be able to be effective in just loving people well. And maybe that job would have been kept and that friend would have as well. And see, this is the practice that we're after. When we submit our hearts before God and we humble ourselves, it makes the biggest difference in our everyday life. We need to do this before we can process any knowledge about God. Inviting him into that pursuit. Verse 7, it continues. 
because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. We can often try to serve God out of our own strength. We kind of muster it up, right? And that's the flesh. That is actually legalism. What is legalism? But legalism is an attempt to please God by using our flesh. It's trying to earn what can't be earned. It's trying to tame our heart. Can't be tamed. It's basically serving God, but apart from God. That's what legalism is. And see, Paul is trying to show us that it is impossible in our own ability to know God because we cannot submit because if we're living in the flesh, we cannot submit to the law of God like we just read. And see, this is why I think legalism can create mental distress because legalism is always chasing towards something that cannot be grasped. And in verse 8, it gets a little worse before it gets better here today. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Here's an example of how. Legalism is all about the outward. Maybe we don't call it that, but we oftentimes look at our behaviors, and we point and say, well, look what I did. This This is good. But just because something looks good on the outside doesn't mean that it's actually spiritual, right? Like we all kind of have, have experienced that one time or another. But let me ask you this. Have you ever loved somebody or did something for someone so that you can get something in return? Like we've all done this at some point or another where we've, we've we said, okay, hey, like I'm going to help you out. And they're like, wow, you're so gracious. You're like, I know. And then inside you're like, I really hope they help me move next Wednesday when I ask them. I'm going to ask them on Tuesday though so it doesn't seem like it, you know? Or like you just do something because everyone's watching. Like it's easy. If you all were watching and someone fell and I helped them up, I'm like, God bless you, sir. And all you guys looked and said, what a great guy, right? You know, we've all done something good. For a bad reason. An example of this could be, you know, let's say my wife, she works really hard at her job and, and she's working late one day and let's just say I am like, I'm gonna clean everything. I'm gonna clean stuff, I'm gonna cook dinner, I'm gonna vacuum and mop and do the laundry and all this. And you guys, if you for some reason were able to see into my house and see all this, I don't know why, but let's say you were, you were to look at that and be like, wow, look at that guy. Some of you are nudging your spouses like, man, you gotta be more like him. Like, cause it looks good. He looks like he's being a, A loving husband. Look at that little guy go, you'd say. (laughs) But if I'm doing it with a bad heart, I'm doing that to control her, right? To make her feel bad for whatever reason, let's just say. Then I'm not really loving her well. I'm living in the flesh. Tim Keller, he helps us understand this a little bit more. He says this, to truly become Christians, we must also repent of the reasons we ever did anything right. Pharisees only repent of their sins, but Christians repent for the very roots of their righteousness too. We must learn how to repent of the sin under all of our other sins and under our righteousness. See, back to that example, when I'm in the flesh, outwardly it looks good, looks like I'm loving my, well, my, my wife well, but I'm not. 
See, my sin of being controlling is cloaked under what looks like righteousness. And so this is what we do. We kind of point to our outward deeds and we convince ourselves. Again, back to that cognitive dissonance, right? We, we point at, well, look what I've done. I did well. But really, we're justifying. And so what we're seeing here is that we can even see that even our good deeds can be fleshly. And here's the thing. I want today's message to be clothed in grace on the other side. Because here's the thing. God loves you and I so much. And he wants more for you and I. He wants more for you and I. Because maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, Andrew, like verse 8, you know, saying that those who are in the flesh can't please God. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, Andrew, that's all I'm about. Like if I'm honest, like I can't, I'm not following God well. Like that's me. You're saying that I can't please God? Yeah. And here's the thing. Paul isn't looking to discourage us but he's just pointing to something greater. See, the truth is that we all, Christian or not, cannot please God in of ourselves, that we need God to help us to serve God. We need God to help us process his knowledge and his ability. We need God to help us to live out this life that he has called us to live. And so what I want us to grab today is that the flesh creates religion, but the spirit creates life change. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Andrew, like, whew, I don't know why I came to church today. I wanted to be encouraged. And here you are. You're basically saying, I live in the flesh more than I care to realize. You're, Andrew, you're saying some of my, my good deeds are, are, are wrong or bad or sinful. I'm so glad I came. Maybe that's what you're saying. But what I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to show the stark difference of what it looks like to live in the flesh versus to live in the spirit. And see, we started in Romans chapter 8. We start in verse 5. But see, Paul says something in verse 1 that we build upon. Before we put it up there, I want us to think of it this way. I want us to think of it as if we've never heard of it before. I want us to invite God into these words. And so if you're, if you're comfortable, feel free to close your eyes for a second. I'm just going to read through these verses. Whether you've heard them a thousand times or it's new to you, I want you to just take a moment. Romans 8, verse 1. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Oh, wow, that's verse 2. Awesome. Great work. This is why we all need to quiet ourselves sometimes. Let's take another moment. Let's go backwards. <laughs> Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's just sit for a second. Think about that. There is now no condemnation at all. Today, maybe you've walked in feeling the, the weight of your sin, the weight of your flesh. But in Christ Jesus, he takes that away. Maybe take a moment to allow that thought in your mind to now just kind of escape into your heart. Now, verse 2. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The spirit this morning sets you and I free. We may struggle, but we don't carry that weight alone. God has given us each other, but he's given us the most amazing gift of all in what Jesus has done to set us free. We see that in verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned the sin in you and the sin in me so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is the gospel. God, the Father, saw you and I would fall short. He became a human in the likeness of Jesus Christ who became one of us and then became one with us. Hey, for my sin and your sin by dying in our place all the while to reconcile our relationship with the Father. Today's message isn't about trying to live in the spirit to gain the approval of God. It's not to take all our bad deeds and try to outweigh those with doing good. No, but it's about living in freedom. It's about living in a way where God would free us from the trickery that we play on ourselves to think we're better than we are. To free us from the hypocrisy, to free us from the living that really is like being a slave. We're a slave to our desires. We're a slave to the job. We're a slave to that next paycheck. But when we're in the spirit, we live freer. We're able to discern the things of God. And yes, we are far from perfect, but that is what the gospel is for. Salvation is a gift today. And so we may fall back into hurtful patterns. But those patterns no longer define us. So what I again want us to walk away with is the flesh creates religion, but the spirit creates life change. As we close here this morning, what do we do in response? I think some of us need to kind of spend time just being quiet. Some of us need to take that moment just quiet our hearts. Again, how can we process things of God if we can't even sit still and, and have an honest conversation? Say, God, would you show me what you want to fix in me? Can you show me what it looks like to be on the other side of me? What do other people have to deal with when they come in contact with me? Do they see love? Do they see you? Or do they see something else? And in these moments, I want to encourage you, if that's a hard truth to swallow, that there is grace for you. But maybe, what would it look like if we spent that time this week? Maybe we'll watch one or two less episodes. Maybe if your house is crazy, you're like, Andrew, I can't get a break. Well, what would it look like maybe to take a walk? Go around the block a little bit. I'll be back in five minutes, you know. But we need to start connecting with what's really going on in our hearts, slowing ourselves down, learning how to be present in a moment, even if it's just a few. And we just click back into what God's trying to do in our life and think that would make such a huge difference. And then, church, what would it look like if we began to 
search into our faith. Ask those questions. Fight through our doubts. If you're not a Christian here today, I hope you see we're a church that we're not afraid of questions. Hey, man, we'll be right there with you. Trying to ask the same ones, too. There's great answers out there, and we all struggle with doubts, but what if we dug into those doubts? What if we, we learned more, just more about the amazing gift that God has given us in the, in the Bible? What if we studied it? What would our church look like? And we saw ourselves live this out. I think this room would be way too packed for us to have just two services in the morning and one at night. I think our families would just be more blessed and grateful that we're there. Hey, again, we're not going to be perfect. But the flesh creates religion, but the spirit creates life change. So for all of us here this morning, I ask this question one last time. Do you know where your heart and your mind is at this morning? See, what I want to say is whether it's a good place, a great place, or even a horrible place. There's grace for you. Jesus is not done with you yet. He's given us, he's given you a beautiful church family. He's giving us even better, his spirit. So let's tap into that and let's see our lives change. Would you guys just pray with me this morning? God, we invite you into the depths of every situation in this room. God, we pray against legalism and our ability to try to serve you out of our own strength. I pray some of us would be set free. I pray, God, that you would show us the way that we've been living, not in a way that keeps us from you, but that allows us to run towards you because you are the giver of life. You are the one who heals the deepest wounds in our hearts. God, you are the one that sets us free from ourselves, from our sin. And this morning, God, in a life where we can get so caught up in so many different things, whether they're good things or bad things, regardless, God, we invite you to be with our hearts, to guide us by your spirit that we may experience a growth that only comes from you. And so for some of us in this room that are just struggling because life indeed is hard, I pray for a fortitude, I pray a peace. I pray the ability to be able to go to you, God, and receive the grace that you give. I pray that we would be a church that would grow in knowledge, but that that knowledge would seep into our hearts and we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to this world. God, thank you that you love us. We admit, God, we are imperfect. We are no better than anybody else. Every person in this world needs you, Jesus. And so we don't walk around with a chip on our shoulder. We humble ourselves and we invite you into the depths of what you want to do. And so we invite you to do that here this morning. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We pray all this in the name of Jesus.